We are back with my friend Vanessa, a sophisticated Parisian living in Boston, and she is spilling the Boston baked beans on the cultural and culinary experiences that you should have in the U.S.'s most historic city. You will learn about cannoli rivalries and secret restaurants, art theft, and off-the-beaten-path hidden gems. Let's jump right back into my conversation with Vanessa. Welcome to the Postcard Academy, a show about travel, living abroad, and location independence for people seeking a more meaningful, freedom-fueled life. I'm your host, Sarah Mikatel, an American who first moved abroad on her own at age 18 and who has been permanently enjoying life in Europe since 2010. I am so glad you're here. My guests and I will share with you how we made our travel, living abroad, and location-independent dreams come true, and how you can too, because you will never have this day again. Make it matter. So Vanessa, if I were coming to visit you, what are some experiences that we would need to have in Boston that we haven't talked around already, or what are some hidden gems that you would take me to? I think that I would try to figure out which cannoli you like better. Is it Mike's Pastry or Modern's? It's do, Modern's. Oh, really? Mine is Mike's. I prefer Mike's. Oh, did my you, gosh. Do, wait, we are now you, at war. I know we are at war. But did you know that, do you know the story? Like Mike's had somebody, so he, he trained people and pastry makers and one of his trainee like literally opened Modern. So theoretically, you're liking the same because it comes from the same training and the same thing. But some people say I prefer modern, some people prefer mics, but literally uh, one train the other. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, so Boston has a really great Italian section called the North End Mm -hmm. and they've got a lot of good restaurants and Paul Revere's house is over there where which you can tour, which you should definitely check out. But, but uh, you need cash because I didn't. And I think it's only $4, but some lovely man in the queue decided to hand it to me. So, nice. but you need, yeah, you do, you do need cash. Mm-hmm. To go to Paul Revere's house. Yes. <laughs> okay. Bring cash, everybody. But uh, so North, the North End. So you've got your Italian restaurants, again, like really nice old buildings. And of course, in an Italian section, you're going to have some pastry shops with cannoli. And Mike's is the most famous one. And the queue can be really long. I think that's why I first popped into Modern. And then I was like, oh, I actually like this one better. So I think the deal with Mike's is be an observer. So you walk in, you see the queue, you're looking at the people behind the counter and how they're working. And then you also have cash on you because that's how it works. And then you figure out which person is working on the side that potentially is not near the queue. Because the queue at Mike's doesn't, like the queue at Modern is a line that you have to go through. The queue at Mike's is like, if one person doesn't, is not helping anybody, they'll be like, who's next, right? But it kind of depends where you are because the the place is, you know, is like the counter is fairly large. It's an, 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 like it's a L shape, but All in all, I would say observe and then attack and then you'll be fine. Okay, good strategy for mics because it can be completely chaotic. And so Mm -hmm. it's good to know if you just go in there with the mindset like this is an experience. It's going to be a little bit crazy. Um, Yeah. 
So what I would recommend to anybody, especially if you come and you're from another country, is always observe, like observe like what the locals are doing or how they're doing it. It's okay for you to be wrong. You know, at the worst, somebody will come up to you and say, there's a real queue. And maybe since I've gone, there is a real queue, you know, uh-huh. but literally walk in, observe, look at the menu, think about what you're doing. It's okay for you to walk around and to figure it out, you know. There's different type of pastries that, you, you know, lobster tails are amazing. You might want to do that. If you think it's too overwhelming for you to fight and you actually want to sit down and eat something, because it's possible on mics, but there's not that many tables, I would go to Victoria's um, Cafe, which is not far as well, and you can order the same pastries there. So, and you can sit down and enjoy. But all in all, like, I would say that mics and... For Mike's and Modern's, most people just go order and then you walk away and then you go and eat it at the Esplanade or in Boston Common. Like you usually don't stick around in that place because there's not that many tables. Great tip. So what else should we do in Boston? So I would say to go to the Isabella Stewart Garden Museum. I it's Some people know the story. Some people don't know about it. But Tell us. Tell us the story. Yeah. So Isabella Stewart Garden, she, she, was, she used to live in Back Bay. Her house is still on Beacon, but then decided to buy herself a mansion. And so she, her, I mean, it's gorgeous. Like you walk in and there's a gigantic courtyard and it changes obviously with the season and you kind of feel like away from Boston. So all in all, if you are a plant lover and we just kind of want to get a getaway, I would say that's amazing. But she also, when she died, she had bought all these paintings and she was an art connoisseur and she literally donated her mansion and said that this is a museum and no painting should be moved. So they literally... The entire museum has not changed like what she has left since she's passed away. Six um, paintings have been stolen and therefore were not recuperated yet. So we hope that one day we will. But the, the frames were left behind. Therefore, the frames are still there. And yes. And these weren't just like paintings that your neighbor did. This was like Rembrandt, Vermeer, yes. Monet. Like, yes. These were significant and very expensive pieces of work. And yes. yeah, they're still looking for them. And there was actually a podcast yes. about this. I haven't listened to it yet. I think it was called Last Scene. I definitely yes. want to check it out. It was a nice podcast. I did listen to it. Yeah. So it's all in all, it, I think it's an experience to just walk through, you know, the living room and in places that she lived and the amount of that she collected. I mean, it's just in itself, it's it's a shot in time, you know what I mean? And at the same time, you get to have this wonderful courtyard and sit down and potentially have you inspired. They created a new wing since, so they're actually additional space. And the museum now does a lot of different events where people come and play music. Same with the Boston Public Library. There's a courtyard in the middle. It kind of reminds me a lot of that. And, and there's also events like public events that the city puts together uh, that one can go. So it's it's just kind of fun. It's a little, you would think about going to other places before going to that one. But all in all, after doing the MFA and other museums, I would really say that that museum is one of my favorites. Mm, I actually haven't been to it, I confess. So maybe when I'm home this summer, hopefully it will be open and I can 
go back and visit. I do miss Boston. My dad is always on me to like move there. <laughs> but um, right now I'm happy in the UK. And I also really like Providence, which is only like an hour away. So I've like gone a few times, but I was told that I'm missing out. Like a lot of people are saying you should live in Providence by work in Boston. Also, the cost of living in Boston is one of the highest with New York and San Francisco. So in the train is you know, it's a half an hour. You know, if you take the Amtrak, uh, it's not that it's not that far. And uh, I heard the city is wonderful. It is. My sister lived there for a number of years. And yeah, I loved visiting her there. And in the summertime, they have something called fire water, where it's just they've got fire on the water and just people hanging out and food. And it's just like a fun. Uh, it's very if you have to do a New York comparison, Providence would be Brooklyn to Boston's Manhattan. Kind I like of. that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should put that on my list since I'm not traveling to South America this summer. Like maybe I should go into that. Absolutely. Okay. You've given us some great ideas. Before we move on to my lightning round, was mm-hmm. there any other any other activities or experiences that you want to talk about? Yes. There's two things. I would say that if somebody had to plan a time to go to Boston, I would plan it during Marathon Monday. Marathon Monday is, I I don't know how to explain it. As soon as you land and come, you would understand. There's so much energy. We literally shut down for the marathon. It's Patriots Day. Yeah, this is Boston, the Boston Marathon you're talking about, and it's a holiday. So it's a holiday because it's an only Massachusetts holiday that's called Patriots Day. Nobody else in America celebrates Patriots Day. And we call it Marathon Monday. It is the entire weekend the city comes together. Some businesses do open, but most of them end up closing because they're on the marathon route or because people run it or because you decide to take your day off and you're like, no, it's Marathon Monday, which is what um, I used to do if I worked in Cambridge. So the city literally just comes together. So many runners come It's so inspiring. It's also less amount of runners. It's about like 34,000 because the streets of Boston are really tiny. um, And therefore, we can't open it up like even Paris. I think right now, if there are like 54 or even more than that thousand people, there's no way. So it's hard to get in. You have to qualify. It's the only one. You have to qualify by running at another marathon under a certain amount of time, depending on your gender and your age. So you have to do a qualifying one or you have to run for charity. So some charities do have numbers. So Dana-Farber is one of them. Like a lot, you can look at that through the Boston, the BA website. And then volunteering for the marathon is also a really hot ticket. After, I think, six or seven years of asking, I finally got in last year. And I didn't even work the marathon day. I worked the expo, which is also a lot of fun. So, wow, that is, a, that is quite in demand. Why do yeah. so many people want to take part in this? I think it's like you feel it's it's really just coming together. There's such an energy. I mean, you know, people, people restaurants are open at, at 7 a.m. You know, you like scoop your favorite, you know, seat. You want to be there for the runners and cheering them on, you know, wherever you are on the marathon route. 
Um, people are runners. Boston is a very big runner. Like there's a very big runner culture. You know, at the end of the day, we we have a New Balance here. Marathon Sports is a very big, well-known running gear. Like it, it's a store that you that's on the marathon route. I think that some people know about Boston Marathon because of the Boston, you know, marathon bombing. But all in all, it's always been some an event that brought everybody together. It's like my favorite day in Boston. I know it's a lot of people's favorite day. If you never worked out and never wanted to run, I can assure you that at the end of that weekend, you're like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna start walking tomorrow. <laughs> very yeah, inspiring. It's very, very inspiring. People work so hard to be able to get there. I mean, one of my dreams one day is to run it. I ran Paris, but I didn't do it at any close at all to the qualifying thing. <laughs> and then at the same time, like, you know, the other thing I would say is to go to a game at Fenway Park. And the reason you can also do it on Marathon Monday, by the way, because the Red Sox always play on Marathon Monday. So you can actually see uh, the runners arriving at the same time as you're watching the game because they will show it to you on the Jamatron and you'll cheer at the same time. Um, but whatever you love, baseball or not, as a person who is from European, I was not a you know baseball fanatic. I am now. But people do come together. At the end of the day, we will always support the Red Sox, whatever other team. I know some people are going to get mad for like the Patriots or the Celtics or the Bruins, but um, you know, we're, we will always wear a Boston Red Sox hat. But on top of it, it's the oldest park. It's so close. Like you, you can't change it because since, um, 2012, uh, what happened was it, it, it went over a hundred years old. So now there's no change to Fenway. They've upgraded as much and then they won't add any seating. And so when you literally walk up to go, you feel wherever you are that you're on the field. It's so close. It's so much fun. If you are not American, go because literally it takes forever. Fine, I agree. But you're, the whole fun of the game is making friends with people around and like getting to know them and understanding like why they have season tickets, ordering a hot dog, having peanuts like, you know, thrown at you and you pass the money on and it pays the guy from then and then eating them and putting them on the ground because you can do that and just watching the game. It's really just enjoying it, being with other people. I would definitely say, you know, it's it's it feels you feel really close to the field. It has a different feeling than all of these other gigantic parks. Yeah, it's like, yeah, transportive. Yes. Like another historical experience that you can take part yeah. in. Oh, you're giving me such nostalgia. <laughs> I wish that I were in Boston now. And it sounds like with all of the, it sounds like the food culture has gotten better in Boston over the years. I mean, it's always oh, yeah. had good restaurants, but I've I've heard that like over the last 10 years, it's gotten like next level and competing nationally. Yeah. I mean, we had, if anybody watches Top Chefs, we had a few Top Chef uh, people want, you know, who won from here. Uh, but also there was a season here. So there's a lot of there's a lot of restaurants, you know, that, you know, Barbara Lynch is very famous and has multiple one of them. But you have like very high class one. But you also have, you know, the street food and the food trucks and all of that stuff. You know, like I understand, you know, people may think of New York or other places, but there is there's definitely it's it's grown a lot and it's a lot of fun. They also have restaurant weeks here. 
so you can go and enjoy. And also there, there's a lot when it comes down to the summer to be able to have patios and like going outside and eating outside and, you know, whatever it's here or Maine, you always want to have a lobster roll and just kind of enjoying all of that. Yeah. Well, so you work at Emerson College yes. and you mentioned that you've taken some students around. What are some other things that you've shown students or have told them about the city? The city. So it depends. Like if it's so I've done multiple kind of students. So it kind of depends on what they want to learn or what how old they are. So I've also worked with uh, high schools in France. My mom used to bring uh, French kids to America for a little bit. So a few years back, I welcomed them to show them like what universities are and what dorms are that doesn't really exist in France, you know, or in mm-hmm. Europe. So we did we did that of like understanding and you know, MIT is great. I know it's not technically Boston, it's in Cambridge, but the Infinite Corridor and walking through the halls of MIT, all of that is open to the public. Also a great way to stop in the bathroom if you want to use it. But it never it never closes. Uh, so if you wish to go through and like go and see the dome or even which is part of the infinite corridor, or if you want to go on Mass Ave and walk down, you absolutely can. That's always open. So I would say to check it out because MIT itself has a lot of art. So even if you're not a scientific person, but you want to see art on campus, it's absolutely available there. There is a map just for that. And they also have a visitor center with maps of things that you can learn and facts as well as free tours. So that's always fun to see, right? I think that, as you mentioned, the Freedom Trail is fun, but also deduct tours just because you get to visit the city, but then at the same time end up in the Charles River and potentially even drive a duck tour in the water. Yes. You have to explain what a duck tour is because I think people will have a hard time understanding. Yes. So, and I could be completely wrong on how I explain it, but they are, so they're, it's going to be, I'm a horrible description too. So bear with me. So they are like vehicles, right? A kind of, it's kind of like a boat on wheels, but So it used to... Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, right? It's a boat on wheels. It's a boat on wheels. So it goes through the city, right? Um, But at the same time, it can go in through the water. And I think it was repurposed. I'm not not 100% sure if it was used by the army, but it was, it's a repurposed vehicle, right? And so, and now you can have it in so many different languages. And every duck boat has a personality in the sense of it's painted differently, but also the drivers have different personalities and different names. So all the time that you would go on it, it's a different experience. When you drive through the city, you also quack because you have duck. So you quack at people and wave to them. And That's my one qualm with duck tours. I'm not that into the quacking part. <laughs> the quacking part. <laughs> they quack. And then the duck tours, as soon as they go back, so they it's kind of the same thing as the public garden. As soon as you see the ducks and the swan and you see the duck tour, you're like, oh, this is coming. It's spring. <laughs> so usually the duck tour comes back around early April. And they go until around October, I believe, unless it's a little longer because of the weather. Um, but they, you know, as soon as you start seeing the duck tours out and the tourists, you're like, oh, it's that time of the year. You know, we have passed a winter. Yes. But yeah, so so then you end up the tour in in the Charles. And so you can take it multiple ways. There's next to there's one next to um 
the uh, Science Museum, but there's also one next to Copley, which is an indoor mall, the Copley place. So like there's there's different locations in Boston that you can go and take one depending on where you're located. This episode is sponsored by me, or rather by my online course, Podcast Launch Academy. You are a podcast lover, and thank you so much for being here. But I was wondering, have you ever thought about creating a podcast yourself? Well, visit sarahmichatel.com to learn how we can work together and to take the podcast personality quiz. All right, Vanessa, do you have time for a little lightning round of your favorite Boston places? Yes, sure. What is your favorite bakery? Clear Flower in, I think it's in Brookline or, yeah, Clear Flower Bakery because it's the best bread. I do love fresh bread. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your favorite coffee shop? A blue Bottle. I think that I'm just that person and I understand that it's not from Boston originally. I apologize to people. Okay. So I'm have lived in the UK or yes. over here in Europe for about 10 years now. And I don't think we have Blue Bottle. And I've heard it's like a fancy pants coffee shop, but I don't really know the story of it. It's fancy, fancy. It's drip coffee that you can see yourself being made. It's it's great. Uh, the thing is, that, you know, there's American coffee, which we're, we have a lot of. If you're going to go, I, I mean, I will never be the person that says no to Dunkin' Donuts. I love Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. But if you are going for like, I want a coffee with a uh, certain taste to it or you know I want some like you would go to Blue Bottle it'll cost you an arm and a leg but you don't have that I mean for a coffee but you you don't have as it's not as fancy as you being able to live in Europe and just going down to anybody and they know how to make an espresso Mm -hmm. that's what I would say yeah and you mentioned Dunkin Donuts well it used to be Dunkin Donuts they rebranded to Dunkin which I think is kind of silly that probably cost them like 50 million dollars to do that change (laughs) and uh but yes famous in New England kind of watery down coffee but it can give you that caffeine kick when you need it yes exactly what's your favorite restaurant I would have to say Yvonne's it's in Boston it's like the reason why I would say this is because if you want fancy food there's fancy food and it's great if you're really going to a restaurant to take pictures and Instagram worthy it also works it's literally next to it's not far away from the Boston Common and it's right next to it's in Dunton Crossing. It's a hideaway place. Uh, when you walk in, it is really just the hostess. And then you're like, oh, I have a reservation. And they open a door within the wall. And then you go back and then there's two different bars and chandelier. And like this is and you see like pictures of JFK. So if you want to go like super fancy, I would say this. If you want to go super old, I would say the Union Oyster House, which is the oldest restaurant in Boston. And And it feels kind of a family, like everybody just knows you. And that's down in the Faneuil Hall area. Yes, yes. The fancy one, you said that's called Yvonne's? Yes. Do you have a favorite food hall or food market? Yeah, I think that here would be like the Boston market. It's also, so it's in between, it's, it's, so when you go to Faneuil Hall, if you walk towards the left, I would say, (laughs) great for directions, this Boston market. And it's really between that and the North End. And like, it's um, just kind of a marketplace where you walk in and everybody has different stands and you can taste different things. And some people have other locations with shops, but here it's just kind of like one shop's stop. You know, you can just kind of go everywhere and taste whatever they're donuts or crepes or like you know, real food. It's a lot of fun. You can just go and do taste testing. So I would recommend that. Is this the same thing as Quincy Market? No. So 
it's next door, but it's not the same. So Quincy Market, I would say, is really expensive for food. There is a food hall there, which is next to Faneuil Hall. But the Boston Market is an indoor market that opened a few years ago, not far away from the RMV. Like, they actually share the building. And um, there's, like, one door separating both of them. But it's just it opened a few years ago, and, it, and it's really fun. So it's, like, a lot of people would probably open there, and then they're like, oh, maybe I should do a food truck, or maybe I'll spend money and, like, get a storefront. And other places, it's just, like, they already have that, and they're being able to be part of this. But you, you end up having a lot of local foods um, and local producers. This is amazing. Thank yeah. you for that recommendation, because... I, like when I go back to Boston, I've got like things in my mind from like 10, 15 years ago. And so now I'm like, oh, I can go here instead of like the places that I've always gone like my whole life. And like when I was a student at Emerson, I used to like to go to this Irish pub called The Littlest. And it was full of all Irish people and then me and my roommate. (laughs) And unfortunately, it's closed down, but it was my favorite. So if I go back to Boston, what are your favorite bars and pubs or where do you like to hang out at night? So, well, I'm lame. I don't hang out at night anymore. I'm too old for that. I knit. What can I say? Um, But there's a lot of different things that one can go. Like there's, you know, I'm not, I don't know much about the Southie bar scene, but they're fun. But also like, I would also you know, go in, if you go to near Faneuil Hall, there's a lot of different bars and there's also the oldest bar in Boston. So, you know, you can do that, which is always fun. And you can also, a lot of people like to go bar hopping. If you are into sports, there's a bunch of bars and a bunch of nightlife next to the TD Garden, which is where the Bruins are playing as well as the Celtics. So there's a lot of you know, before the game or after the game. So I would also recommend that. And in the summer, the seaport is, you know, because like you end up having so much possibility of being outside on the patio. So there's also different styles. So if you're very fancy, you can go at the legal seafood. They opened and there's three different floors. And, you know, the last floor is very hip. And I think they have like a DJ on Saturday nights. And then... The first one is like a restaurant and then the second one is a sushi place. And so like you you can pretty much pick and choose, which I think is really fun. The one thing is we are a Puritan city, so we do close at 2 a.m. That's fine by me. I'm living yes. in England where things close at 1130. <laughs> and for me, that's like perfect. <laughs> Any later, I will turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> you mentioned the oldest bar in Boston. What was that name? The Bell in Hand. That's in Quincy Market. Do you have a favorite shopping area in Boston? I I don't shop that much, but I would say like if somebody wanted to come and was like, oh, I just want to, you know, scroll and watch. You have Newberry Street that it's outside. So it's kind of like on Fifth Avenue. Indoors, there is the Prudential Center as well as Copley. And both of them actually linked with the indoor bridge. So you can walk into one side and then still end up going into the other. There's a big debate on which one you like. Copley is usually fancier. When it comes down to brand names and, you know, you have Michael Kors and Louis Vuitton in there. And then the Prudential Center will have, you know, Peloton or, you know, Bath and Body Works and all of other kind of like a your American mall. And I think there's still a food court in it. I don't know. I Last time I went, there were, a, oh, no, it's not the food court anymore. Now there's Italy. That's what it is. So there's now like a 
whole new thing about kind of a little Italy food section now. Italy? Yeah, Italy is in there. I What I used to love is I used to live right near Emerson, so in the heart of Boston, near the Common. And I used to love to walk down through the Common, through the gardens. Then I would get to Newbury Street and I would like walk all the way down Newbury Street. So mm-hmm. that's like the stone buildings with all the boutiques. You walk all the way down there and then I would come back down Boylston Street. And that's more the main street like chain stores but so I love Newberry Street because it's more unique and then when I lived in Beacon Hill I also used to love to stroll down Charles Street which was yes even quieter and some unique shops there yes and then the do you want a fun fact yes the public garden to Mass Ave so like you think about you walking down Newberry Street right every single street that intersects is in alpha order in alpha order. Yeah. So you what have. What does that mean? So you have. So you you have the public garden, right? And mm-hmm. then you just continue walking down. So your first street that you're walking down from Newberry Street is Arlington. Then the oh. second one is Berkeley. Then the third one is Clariton. I never then, noticed that. Yes. Right. <laughs> so I know it was once. I only say this like I realized it in college. I went to trivia night and they said to name all the streets in order. And we were like, oh, my God, we went really good until Exeter. And then I was like, wait, what is what is afterwards? So, yeah, so you literally from A to M. So throughout, you just know where you are on Newberry Street, because as soon as you hit Mass Ave, then then you're like, oh, OK, this is the end. So it's from A to M. That's very clever. Mm-hmm. I very much like that. <laughs> oh, and I used to go to Filene's basement sometimes yes. with my you know, girlfriends when I was in school. Yeah. Is that closed? Yes. So that is closed. That was such an institution. It is. But so now things have changed. It is finally his basement is now a grocery store, which is called Roche Brothers, uh, which I do not live in that area. But I would like to say that um, it's kind of nice to have a grocery store (laughs) in that area. So it's like, yes, so it's a grocery store. And then harder building also changed. So now you have a Primark as well as an Old Navy. And then the building itself higher up is now very luxury condos like the condominiums and i think they all rent oh i don't know if they're all rentals because the top the top one the penthouse was sold for an outrageous amount of money so and it probably should yeah. it's probably sitting empty if it's anything I don't know. like london yeah pro- i don't know you mentioned some really great museums already but is yeah. there anything else you wanted to mention about culture what you like to do culturally in boston I'm going to repeat the Isabella Stewart Garden Museum. Also, mm-hmm. you can take a tour of Fenway Park, which is, I guess, its own museum as well. You know, those are fun. I think it's $12. You just walk around and you can get to see the green monster. You will not go on the grass, FYI. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of like see things. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. You get an inside tour of things, especially if you don't know anything about baseball. So I would say that. And then really like, you know, there's a lot of different tours. It all kind of depends on what you're interested in. But you know, the MFA is still a great museum. I just happen to have lived in Europe and have been raised with, you know, the Orsay Museum and Rodin and the Louvre. Mm-hmm. So, like, I am totally snobby. But all in all, it's great. And if there's also other museum that's not in Boston, uh, the Peabody Exeter Museum in Salem is amazing. I'm a big fan of that one. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I can't wait to meet you in person when I am back in the States. 
Absolutely. I think that it would be so great. And, you know, and it's so great to also show you around a new Emerson College because the campus has grown and shifted and it would be really nice for you to come back to your alma mater. All right. Well, thank you. See you soon. Thanks. Bye. Okay. I have to know if you've visited Boston or have lived in Boston, which team are you on? Modern Pastry or Mike's? Find me on Instagram and let me know. I'm at Sarah Mikatel. That's all for now. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful week wherever you are. Hey, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to my blog on Substack for more content on how to thrive through better communication, stoicism, and global exploration. That is right. Blogging is cool again over on the Substack platform. There you can chat with me in the comments, and I have plenty of bonuses for paid subscribers, or you can just read for free. So click the link in the episode notes to access the Substack Live Without Borders.